You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Loyalty's my favorite characteristic of God, but finding it in it is hard. It's like trying to find God. You're the only one in your camp with cheese. You pay for everything they eat. Man, that insecurity is deep. Now I said no names. These are just theories if you hear me, baby. Grand rising, everybody. Welcome to The Day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday, And of course, today it is another What's the Word Wednesday. So I'm so excited that I get to tap in with our guy, Brian Callanan from Seattle Channel and Seattle News Views and Brews. He's going to be telling us what's going down tonight on the episode. You guys want to make sure you guys are tuning in at 7 p.m. right here on Converge. I'll be uh, checking in with him first. And then uh, up next, I actually get to tap in with Reggie White. He is the director of the Amen Corner going on. It starts today, um, actually, right there at Langston Hughes. And so excited that, you know, one of James Baldwin's works is right there at Langston. It just takes me back to my childhood. So I promise you, uh, Reggie and I are going to really be getting into it. But of course, this is the top of the show. So it's a great time for y'all to tag and share the stream. Please tag and share this stream with folks you feel could benefit from a daily dose of dopeness right here on The Day with Trey. Uh, Don't worry if you can't watch us. We got you covered. You can listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Just search Converge Media Network and The Day with Trey. Y'all will find me on Google, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, like all of the platforms. You name it. Just search us. You guys will find us there. Shout out to everybody who is watching right now and sharing the stream. And shout out to everybody who is listening right now and sharing the podcast. We appreciate all of the the word of mouth advertising that y'all are doing for the day with Trey. I'm seeing the love. I thank y'all so much. Um, But of course, you guys know how Brian and I can get into it. He is joining us from his home studio today. Up next right now is Brian Callanan. What's up, Brian? Hey, hey, join here from the booth of truth. Good to be with you, Trey, once again. The the booth of truth, Brian. Mm -hmm. It's been a minute. How are you, brother? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, I just got so many stuff, so many things going on here, not only with the podcast, but a lot of things on Seattle Channel. If people watch me there, they may have seen that we're covering all these different races like Secretary of State, a few of the local legislative district races, too. Also, what's happening with approval voting versus ranked choice voting on the Seattle ballot there. So I have been busy, Trey, quite a bit. I bet. So what is going on tonight? What can folks expect, Brian? Well, we're really breaking down what's going on with the Seattle city budget. I know we've been talking about that over the last couple of weeks. And my good friend and your good friend, Trey, Kevin Schofield is subbing in for David Croman, who's enjoying some family time right now. But my old friend Kevin Schofield and I are talking about three big issues with the Seattle budget that's happening right now. One, there's a deficit. And the big piece of that is the mayor is saying, all right, let's use that jumpstart payroll tax as a permanent way to fix that, not just now, but in the future. The city council, for the most part, is saying, whoa, 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 hold up on that. We can do that temporarily, but we really want to preserve Jumpstart for what it's meant to do. Help out with affordable housing, the Green New Deal and other things. So we're going to move that decision down the road as to what we do about these structural problems with the budget, which is important. The second big issue we're talking about here is a move that the mayor proposed to have these parking enforcement officers. Remember earlier this year, they moved into the Department of Transportation. That didn't work out so well. So the mayor said, all right, let's just move them back into the SPD where they were before. And that'll help calm things down. 
The council's pushing back on this one, too. Specifically, the council budget chair, chair Teresa Mosqueda, is saying, all right, let's wait on this for a little bit because we're not sure that this is going to be the permanent home, the SPD, of these officers. She's saying, let's try to depoliticize this if you can. And there's a lot of different talk about defund the police and whatever else surrounding this. But let's try to def- let's try to depoliticize this and really figure out over the long term where these parking enforcement officers should go rather than move them to SPD and then maybe move them again a year or two years down the line. So she's talking about that as well. The third big issue that we're talking about is a plan from the mayor for this United Care Team, he's calling it. He wants $5 million for this team and about $1.2 million of that would actually go towards salaries for outreach workers that would go out and help people that are dealing with homeless encampments. Doesn't sound like it's a bad thing, but what the council is saying is this, That job of outreach is supposed to be with the King County Regional Homelessness Authority. So let's take those dollars that you want for outreach workers there. Let's put that to the KCRHA so they can concentrate on the work they're trying to do with outreach and try to keep the city in its lane, if you will, doing some of the cleanup around homeless encampments, et cetera. The big issue here, and I talk about this with Kevin, is nobody wants to be involved with sweeps, especially the King County Regional Homelessness Authority. So those sweeps do turn into the jobs of individual cities like Seattle, the actual cleaning out of camps and things of that nature. So this is something that is very, it's going to be difficult to sort out over the next several weeks here, but this is what the council is working on right now. They have to come up with their final budget package by Thanksgiving, basically. So they got three weeks. So there's a lot going on right now, but those are the three big issues we're focusing on with the budget this week, Trey. All right, Brian, now you've given me the litany, so I get to go go. down the list. Please, yeah, do what you got to do. Of course, first off, when we're talking about the jumpstart tax, we already understand that, you know, this is something the mayor is saying, hey, we should do something that's permanent. I'm loving the fact that the council is pushing back on that because first and foremost, we do have a housing crisis. Mm -hmm. It's particularly in Seattle. The idea that we can be moving money that should be directed towards how we're dealing with that crisis is really a no brainer for me, Brian. So I love that there's pushback there. Even the fact that it has temporarily been a a fill for the void of the general budget is somewhat of an issue to me. I understand that that's important, but that's not why Jumpstart was created. And this is where people start to really understand that there is a thread of mistrust that continues to happen between the citizens and those who we elect. Because when we say, okay, we are going to do something, we vote on something and it goes through, now it's being able to be wielded in all these other ways. That's not what the people wanted. So I love the fact that this is being pushed back on. And I also think, too, that they need to be looking at immediate remedies to filling those voids so that it's not constantly coming out of the jumpstart tax. This is something where we're talking about taking money away from the Equitable Development Initiative Mm -hmm. that is such a great uh, product and program. Now King County is looking at doing it and allowing Seattle to lead in that effort. So why would we be taking money away from all of these needs? Cost. Uh, and we already know how important the Green New Deal is when we're talking about the fact that we just saw so much sunshine in the month of October for us Seattleites. That was a that was a real red flag of like how climate change is affecting us here. So that's all those are all important issues. Yep. Uh, OK, when we're talking about, uh, you know, the fact that 
right now uh there's some issues around um budget this is something that is very specific to a lot of people people are wondering where money is going in general i'm glad that you and kevin schofield the wordy and nerdy that y'all are on it and that he's filling in because these are issues that people really need to understand uh from a long-term perspective i think a lot of things end up being you know mold over from one vote to another in a sense like okay right now we're dealing with budget session. No, in the long term, what are some of these solutions going to mean, particularly for the city of Seattle? Okay. I'm going to go right to the homeless encampments because you yeah. know how much I care about this, Brian. Yeah. Um, you're exactly right. Hitting it on the head. This is the work of the King County Regional Homelessness Authority. The idea that we need to do something at a city level is because there's not enough uh, push for the King County Regional Homelessness Authority to do their job. When I talked to the director, Mark Dones, what they said was, look, we are here to make sure that all of the failed programs that have tried to come about in the last 30 years that we don't replicate those failures, but we learn from them and we build new programs that are actually going to work. They are actually talking to living co the Living Cities Coalition, those who are in the midst of the unhoused population, making sure that their lived experience is the center of the solutions that they create. So I agree. I think that any funding that's going to be used for, you know, dealing with homelessness encampments, it should go to uh, KCRHA. Now, I will say this as well. When you talk about cities not wanting to deal with sweeps, that is because it's it's almost inhumane. It's like, hey, we're just going to push you out of this area. We're going to, you know, celebrate a victory because we've cleaned up this area. But mm. where is everyone going? They go to another area and it just keeps happening over and over again. So we are actually witnessing the fact that sweeps don't work. That is another failure that I think, you know, KCRHA is like, we're not going to replicate that. That's yeah. why they've been having people that can go into these encampments, build relationships, actually understand what people there want and build mm -hmm. solutions off of that. So, yeah. you know, the other issue I won't get into because we're running out of time, but That's I just right. appreciate that you and Kevin are on it tonight. Make sure folks know how to find you, Brian. All right. Thanks a lot, Trey. Make sure you check out the show tonight at seven o'clock right here on Converge. And also hit me up on Twitter. A lot of people do. And I appreciate the feedback at Callanan Seattle is a great way to do it. Trey, thanks as always for a daily dose of dopeness. Send it back to you. <laughs> right on. Thanks so much for joining us from the tr booth of truth. We appreciate you, you Brian, all the time. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, well, of course, so many issues to dive into. Make sure you guys are tapping in to Seattle News Views and Brews tonight. It's a great way to stay engaged. You know, somebody just asked me, you know, can you give us some resources on what we should be looking at? I want to introduce Ballotpedia to all of you who may not know what this is, but it's a great way. It's almost like a Wikipedia for things that are on your ballot. All of the local issues that are going on, you can actually research them, read more into them so you know what you're voting on. And I want to encourage y'all, the vote is coming up next Tuesday, November 8th. Make sure you get your ballot into the box. But check out Seattle News Views and Brews for some of these issues that may help you steer your, your votes in different directions. Once you know more, you can make a more informed decision. Well, of course, after this short break, I have the pleasure of diving in with Reggie White. He's in the building. We're going to be talking about the Amen Corner. I am so excited. It's starting at Langston tonight. You guys don't want to miss this. Stay tuned. You're watching The David Trey. Portland. 
Once again, it's on as Converge Media joins hands with the Trap Kitchen for the Trap Kitchen Weekend, Friday, November 18th at the Roseland Theater in downtown Portland. This is your guy, Cool Nut, from Converge Media and Jammin' 107.5, inviting you to join me, G Perico, Jay Worthy, Savvy Third, Asia, and many more. Hosted by Trap Kitchen's own Monty Blanco from VH1's Black Ink Compton as we celebrate food, music, and culture like only the Trap Kitchen can. Tap in with me in the Trap Kitchen weekend, Friday, November 18th at the Roseland Theater here in Portland. And make sure and follow Trap Kitchen PDX for more details or get your tickets today at roselandpdx.com. COVID-19 hurt my income, my health, and my family. We were about to lose our home when we heard we might be eligible for homeowner assistance funds from the government. We called 1-877-894-HOME, and a housing counselor stepped in, talked to our lender, and saved our home. Federal funding details at WashingtonHalf.org. That's WashingtonHAF.org. Welcome back, everybody, to the day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday, and I'm so excited because Reggie White is in the building. What's up, Reggie? Hello, so happy to be here. Yeah, I'm so glad that you are here. And you know, you guys can see Reggie got the memo: the yellow and black. It's on and popping today. Black and yellow, black and yellow. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, welcome to the Black Media Matter Studios. It's your first time here, and yeah. so I'm so happy to have you here. Tell the folks a little bit about yourself before we get into the play. Well, who is Reggie, Reggie. and what got you into di- directing? <laughs> I'm asking that question every day or every week in therapy, I should say. I'm asking that question every week. Uh, I am a director, uh, an actor. Um, I am part of the ensemble of this company based in Seattle called The Williams Project. Um, We've been in Seattle for eight years. Uh, Took a couple of years off because, I don't know, a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, But we're back. Uh, We're doing a show at Langston. I'm super, super excited to be here. Yeah, well, I mean, this is for me. You know, we were just talking a bit before the show, but uh, black theater in Seattle in particular is so important to me. Tell us a bit about the Williams Project. What got y'all started as an ensemble? Well, the Williams Project is uh, a company of artists who sort of came together um, sort of around the nexus of our artistic director, uh, Ryan Purcell, in different ways. Like, so friends from undergrad, friends from grad school, friends from, you know, wherever. And we just really believe in making art the same way. Um, and there's a, a particular curiosity about uh, forgotten stories, plays that we, you know, have put on the shelf and called them dusty, but there's, there's still something to explore because like the questions of humanity are not new. Um, and so we, you know, come together every summer and and put together a play and and now we're like doing multiple shows a year now we're you know expanding getting a little bigger um and a couple a couple years ago we did uh blues for mr charlie at emerald city gospel fellowship um and ryan and i were talking and you know we were like, oh, James wrote another play. He's, you know, such a brilliant writer that people know for his books and for his speeches and for his talks. But like he wrote two plays and let's look at the other one. And we had planned to do it in the fall of 2020. Um, and then we planned to do it in the fall of 2021. <laughs> and then we planned to do it in the spring of 2022. <laughs> and so now finally we say for the third November, we're doing the uh, we're doing the Amen Corner with Williams Project. I'm super, super excited. Yeah. I mean, you're you're talking about a legend, honestly, with James Bond. 
Baldwin and the fact that, you know, um, I was I just love this whole nexus of, all right, you know, we're going to do a James Baldwin play with the Williams Project yeah. at Langston Hughes. There's this huge like litany of things that go off in my brain yeah. about that because yeah. I understand, you know, the importance of theater still being at Langston Hughes and particularly stories like the Amen Corner. Tell us a bit about what this play is about so folks can understand what they should be coming to, why they need to be buying their tickets. Yeah. Tell them a bit about Yeah, yeah, show. yeah. Um, so, you know, James writes plays like he writes his novels. So it's it's a rich a richly written story, um, but it takes place in a church. It's not so uh, dissimilar from the church he might have grown up in in Harlem back in the day. Um, it's about this woman, this pastor of the church. Her name is Margaret Alexander. And, you know, for all the world, she looks like she is on fire for the Lord and she is running the church, running her home. And then her ex-husband shows up. Wow. And, uh, you know, We'll just see what happens after that. Uh, <laughs> things but yeah, get interesting. Things get a little interesting when her ex-husband shows up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this right here for me is uh, one of those things when what, what you just said earlier in terms of dusting things off. Like yeah. there's always something to be said about these stories and there's things that people get to walk away with. Yeah. Um, as you've been able to direct uh, this amazing story, tell us a bit about some of those highlights for you. Um, because I know for me, when I would be on the stage, it always, every play, every cast is a family, yeah. right? And you guys are familiar with one another, but there's something so special about coming together to put on creative works. Tell us a bit about some of those highlights you've experienced. Oh, gosh. Well, yes, every, every play is like a family. And, you know, I haven't darkened the doors of a church in a very long time. <laughs> but when I used to go regularly, people say like church feels like family. So it's like family on family. And we've been doing this really, uh, um, fun cool down exercise at the end of every day we sort of like come back to ourselves by playing uno you know because like people love uno people love talking mess people love beating people in uno um so so there are lots of there are lots of ways that we have like bonded as as a group of of black artists in the rehearsal on stage and also backstage but you know it's a it's a really special process to be able to be back in person making a play again. And like, you know, theater has continued to evolve and I think it will continue to evolve. And it's so great to see black people in Cinderella and black people in Shakespeare and black people in Chekhov. And that's fantastic. And we should continue to keep doing that. But it's also really important to not forget that there were and are and will always be black people writing stories for us. And I think it's a really rich privilege to be able to do that story. And, um, you know, it's a story in the church. So, you know, the music is going to be fire. <laughs> it's going to be slapping. Oh, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's really special to be able to tell this, this, this black story by this black genius yeah. in this theater named after this other black genius. That's what I mean in terms of like this trifecta, right? There's so much greatness happening there. And I, I, I mean, I said it uh, as we were coming into this, but it takes me back to my childhood, right? Yeah. Like the things that I have always connected Langston with, was like black brilliance in general, right? That's the tagline. Exactly. It, it literally yeah. is. And and I uh, am 
really experiencing that already in terms of what y'all are bringing. When you think about that legacy of what Langston Hughes has meant for Seattle, the Central District in particular, uh, tell us a bit about, you know, how it may resonate with you that now, you know, a piece of your works as a director and bringing this story there, like how that legacy kind of reflects on on you. Yeah, I mean, I... I'm so fortunate to have a relationship to my history. I think, you know, you were talking earlier in your earlier segment about how important it is to vote and to like recognize that we are walking in the footsteps of our elders and our ancestors who came before us, hoping to like leave the world better than we found it. In theater, there, there is, I stand on such incredible shoulders as a, as a black artist, as a queer artist, I stand on such incredible shoulders and, you know, when we were talking about where we wanted to do the show, because Williams Project, we do our shows in, in different locations every year. And when I heard Langston and when I heard, I was like, oh, is it named after Langston Hughes? And they said, oh, their tagline is cultivating black brilliance. I was like, done. No, yeah. the list is over. I don't want to do the show anywhere else but here. Um, it's and to know that it's in the central district. I mean, you know, again, we were talking about like theater continuing to evolve and open its doors for black people. And it's one thing to invite people to spaces where they haven't been historically invited and they have to travel. They have to go like downtown or they have to go like, you know, to the highways and byways, they say, as they say. But it's another thing to have excellent theater put on in a world class facility in in a neighborhood where black people live. Um, it just, it, it really like takes the, the whole belonging thing to the next level. And it's so beautiful to like leave rehearsal and just see like black people everywhere and to go in rehearsal and see black people everywhere. Um, I'm like, am I in Seattle? Where am I? Um, it's, it's such a, it's such a joy and, and I can't wait for people, people to see it. Well, you know, I mean, you're talking about an area that's been so heavily gentrified. I love hearing you say that, but it is, it really pays homage to the history of the yeah. CD. So even though I live in Federal Way, you can catch me in the CD every day, <laughs> right? Like that, that's what I mean. Like there's so, so there's this, this, the Central District is really like a nexus of like, hey, I'm coming here because I, I need to experience what's here, yeah. um, even though things have changed. So I love hearing that. And that for me is where Langston has really been an anchor to that because they have unapologetically said, we are going to continue to uplift Black brilliance. And they do it in a wide variety of ways because as the the neighborhood changes, they've had to change a bit and diversify and sure. open up doors and all of that. And that makes sense. But also they, they never lost track of what they were created to do and what that space is there for. So that's why for me, you know, hearing about, you know, the Amen Corner being there, we've been playing the commercials. We've been trying to make sure folks know how to get their tickets. But, you know, to hear your perspective on, you know, how you're experiencing the area is yeah. really special to me. And I don't I don't live in Seattle. So I I, I come from, I live in New York. I do theater all over the country. I was just in Berkeley. I was in Philly, in Philly earlier this year. And so it's really special to be in a place where there's like actual city support for the building to, to have like an actual, like you said, it's, it's a, it's like a lighthouse in the middle of, of that neighborhood. It's such a rich joy, especially when like theaters are struggling to get people back in its doors. Um, it's being in Langston fills me with hope. 
that, that yeah. we, that all is not lost, which is great. Yeah, no, I agree. And, uh, you know, I've experienced so many different shows there, but I love, again, you know, I've, I've done shows there. I just love knowing that this play is happening there and that you were like, nope, don't want to hear about no more other, Nowhere no else. other venues. It's at That's where it's at. You know, when you think about, um, some of the ways that theater really it mimics real life, right? We always talk about this connection of, you know, creativity really showcasing or being kind of a vehicle for the real things that are happening in the world. Just tell us a bit about how your experiences throughout the country have really uh, shine a light on that idea, that notion, Um, because we know that this, as you said, this story, church house, fire music, we already know that's something that's like anywhere in the country. You can go to a black church and know somebody in that joint knows how to sing. Exactly. Right. So there's these connections of, you know, story really reflecting life. I just want you to be able to share a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I feel so fortunate to have like an embarrassment of riches because it's like, it's a James Baldwin piece. So, you know, the writing is going to do what's, what's being asked of it. It's giving what it's supposed to have gave. (laughs) Um, And it's so easy, I think, because lots of people have their own opinions and relationships with the church to like write something that feels a little didactic. And it's like, there's no bad guy in this play. It's also such a rich gift in listening to the play and watching it over and over again. You see that James put little pieces of himself into all of the people. So all of the like characterizations, all the humans are so richly drawn. It's exactly what you said. It's like, there's that person who's this, there's that sister boxer, there's sister Moore, there's brother Davis. Like you're like, Oh, I know exactly who that is. And it's such a joy to be able to, to know that like, yes, the, the setting of the play is very specific. It is like unapologetically, unquestionably in a black church (laughs) full of black people, but the, the experience of what it means and, and the story and the arc of what each of those humans go through is so universally human. And like, it's so rich. Like I, I, I see my grandma on that stage, you know, I see my mom, I see my play aunties, I see, you know, my cousins. And it's, it's such a joy to be able to like spend some time with, with people you love and also acknowledge the like complicatedness of those relationships. You know, I think so often there's so many discussions that take place about another black theater writer whose name rhymes with Schmiler Carey. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think there's people who feel people who love his work, people who hate his work, people who say it's like, it's, it's, it's really familiar. It's not challenging enough. And it's like, honestly, I appreciate what he did because he told millions of black people, you belong in a theater, you belong on stage, you belong in the house, you belong backstage, you belong everywhere. And I think like, it's such a joy to be able to tell those stories written by a different perspective, you know, like James, James has a sharp wit and his wit is on stage and it doesn't make the the characters any less human. It doesn't make them less funny. It doesn't make the heartbreak that they feel any less, less deep and rich. And I hope people really leave like feeling like they went through something with these people and, and, and that ultimately his lesson of like, as humans, our most important job is to love each other and to allow ourselves to be loved. 
that I that that's the most important thing to to take away at the end. Oh my goodness, you said it all right there. Oh my goodness, the Amen Corner is running from today, the second of November to the twentieth. Yes, you can look right there. Just make sure folks know how they get their tickets. How do they come and and support this show? Yeah, so you can get your tickets at thewilliamsproject.com. You, uh, if you know where Langston is, it's right there on Seventeenth and Yesler, that little corner right by Soulful, where, where the catfish at. That's exactly where you need to go. Um, we'll be there Wednesday through Sundays uh, until November 20th. Can't okay. wait to see you there. Amazing. Reggie D. White, thank you so much for joining Thanks me for today. Me. It's been such a pleasure. And, and I'm so grateful to you and the Williams Project for bringing this to Seattle and specifically to Langston. Thanks it's so much. It's such a joy. Thank you. Absolutely. Wow. What an amazing inspiration. Y'all know I'm going to be wrapping this up right after this short break. Stay tuned. You're watching The David Trey. Welcome back, everybody, to the David Trey. Oh, my goodness. What a great episode today. Of course, got to give a huge shout out to Brian Callanan for always showing up on What's the Word Wednesdays, giving us the word and giving y'all a sneak peek of tonight's episode for Seattle News Views and Brews. Make sure you guys check that out right here on Converge Media, 7 p.m. And a huge shout out to Reggie D. White for being in the building, the director of the Amen Corner, y'all. It is going down starting tonight at 730, uh, as he said, Wednesday through Sunday, 730 uh, um, from now until the 20th. Um, make sure you guys get your tickets. I'm sure Langston has them. You guys will probably get them at the door. Go to the Williams Projects website, get them there. But please support this amazing show. It's on us to support shows when they come around. And that means I get to talk about more shows, okay? Because we know this Saturday, we also got Dance Theater of Harlem. That's going to be right there at the Paramount. They're going to be doing their tribute to Hazel Scott. It's an amazing ballet and an amazing dance performance. You guys do not want to miss that. Also, y'all saw it right there. It is Nutcracker season, okay? So make sure you guys cop your tickets to the Nutcracker, an amazing family friendly fun time right there at McCall Hall. Shout out to everybody who's involved in all of these shows because I'm telling you, when they tell you that there ain't nothing to do in Seattle, I'm the one to make sure y'all know that ain't the case. It ain't true. There's much to do in Seattle. Make sure you get tickets, get your family out, get your neighbors and friends out, have a good time, go have a meal before or after the show. Just get out and enjoy what the city has to offer. I, of course, want to thank you all for being here and joining me today. And I want y'all to be inspired. Y'all know, as I was sitting with Reggie, I was getting much inspiration. Um, and I'm telling y'all, there's all kinds of ways for you to see yourself as a part of the solution. So do that. You know, whatever it is you love, whatever it is that you're drawn to whatever you know is driving you on the inside I always say if you got a job that's like it's a great job it pays the bills but there's other things you want to do out here in the world please be inspired to see yourself as a part of the solution and I'm going to remind you one more time make sure you guys get those votes in now is the time you don't want to wait until the 8th you do have until the end of day on 8th but I will say you know get informed check out Ballotpedia if you need to check out Seattle News Views and Bruce so you can know where you stand on some of these issues, particularly if you are voting in the city of Seattle, you need to know what people are talking about and how they're standing on a lot of these issues when we talk about budget. Uh, make sure you guys are tuning in. There's a lot of candidate forums going on right now. A lot of folks that are, you know, putting their message out there. We did one here for the 37th district. You guys can catch that again. That was on We Live in Color. So you guys can find it for the 37th. But I want you to be engaged and be informed. That's another way 
that you get to see yourself as a part of the solution. Well, for me, y'all know until tomorrow at 11 a.m. Peace. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.